So now I really work with both live people and ghosts. Um, I made that trans transition because ghosts don't actually pay people. <laughs> they would be dead. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I know. Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to Home Energy Design. How to design a beautiful home and life and make sure it's energy aligned. I'm your host, Amanda Gates, and I'm an interior designer and feng shui practitioner. And these combined skills have made me a floor plan reading expert. Energy design is like astrology for your home and your life. And who doesn't want more of that? I believe in all things pretty. In fact, my team and I love the pretty. But what makes my firm different is that we can help you create designs that are also energy aligned to help you get the home and life you've always dreamed of. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. My name is Amanda Gates, and today I have on author Craig Kavala. His new book, I Am God in Disguise, and So Are You, is an extremely approachable book about purpose and how to discover, surrender, and inspire not only yourself, but those around you into making positive changes. When we tap in, tune in, and turn on the light within us, we find joy and happiness, not to mention our authentic selves. Unfortunately, many of us allow our egos, what Craig calls the bodyguard, to run the show. And by allowing the ego to run the show, this creates the idea that we are separate. And this fills us up with fear and frustration and, you know, all that icky below the cross stuff. But if we realize we are a vehicle of expression, as he puts it, we can show up and be accountable as our divine nature states. So I think today's show is going to be really powerful. I really enjoyed this book. It's super easy. It's an easy read. It's super fun. And he's done all of these really great um like pictures and graphics and things inside of it so that you can read it with your kids. So it makes it a lot of fun to incorporate all of these amazing teachings, which most of us that listen uh, to shows like this and read Spiritual Matter, we know these things. But sometimes it's good to have a refresher, right? It's good to have some permission to go, oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is how I'm supposed to be behaving. And these are the things that I should be focusing on, not what my ego says I should be focusing on. So I think this is, is a really empowering show because, um, you know, as we approach an election year, I think that our egos can be polarized and, and we get frustrated easily. We can get angry easily and, you know, it can become a trigger. And so I think that this is a very timely podcast to help us focus and get in focus on the right perspectives. All right, before we dive in, I want to thank everyone who showed up for the How to Remove Negative Energy course, which I held this past weekend. We had so much fun. I was a bonehead and forgot to introduce myself. <laughs> Mainly because I knew the majority of the people there and plus I was so excited to get started and start teaching this amazing, you know, amazing class. And so I just dove right in and then I realized after an hour I asked it, you know, the class if they had any questions. <laughs> and this woman said, yeah, I'd like to know who you are. I have no idea who you are. Such a classic Mercury retrograde thing to do. But such a lesson in humility 
because this person had no idea who I was. She didn't know my name. She had never listened to the podcast, had never watched my YouTube channel. I mean, she knew nothing about me. So total bonehead moment, but that's okay. Uh, the class went great and I had a really great turnout. I got to meet some really great uh, people and uh, actually one of the gals that came to the class, Emmy. Hey, Emmy. Uh, she's actually a podcast listener and she actually just moved to Nashville and she's from Finland. So that was really cool to have the experience to meet with her and to hear about her experience and listening to the podcast and how great it's been for her and her experience. So super glad about that. But uh, my friend Maribeth, who came to the class, she texted me immediately afterwards and said, oh my God, I absolutely loved, loved, loved this class. I felt so great afterwards and so much information, so much good information that you shared. And I'm really going to start working on all of it. And I cannot wait to raise and cultivate my chi and do a ceremony for the new year. You are such an inspiration. Thank you. So I love getting feedback like that because it's not about, you know, uh, the information that I'm sharing. It's really about what you're going to do about it and if you're going to put it into action. I'm simply a conduit to help bridge the path to help you to that fifth dimension, to help you get on your way um, to your higher self and to tap in, tune in and turn on that side of yourself so that you can really step out of that egoic nature of which again is so perfect for the show today. Uh, real quick too, I want to mention, um, since this show is really about tapping into our purpose and who we truly are, what it really comes down to, I talk a lot about compassion and kindness on this show, and it's such a great way to cultivate our chi. And I want to share an example. This has nothing to do with me. This is more about um, what it did for the other person. So on Friday, I went by the Realtors Association to uh, get my real tracks and other th systems basically set up for my real estate stuff. And the woman that helped me was so incredibly kind and helpful. And I've just, you know, oh my gosh, there's just so much. There's so much that I just did not know. And she was so patient with me and so kind. And so when I got back into my office later on that day, I sent her a quick email. And this is what the email said. Melissa, thank you for all of your help and guidance today. So much of this is overwhelming. Our world has lost touch with being helpful and kind. Thank you for being both. She immediately emailed back, holy wow, thank you so much for your kind words. I believe we come in contact with people at specific times in our daily routines and your kind words have really given me a personal boost today when I really, really needed it. So again, this isn't about uh, me giving myself accolades. This is more of an example of how you too, in your everyday world, so many of us think that we're too busy, too many of us are caught up in our frenetic energy and our to-do list, and it takes nothing at all to be kind. It takes nothing out of your day to simply send someone a quick note give them a smile, maybe buy them a coffee. It takes nothing at all to completely change someone else's chi. So, and it's so uh, incredible that as I was putting together the intro to this show today, I got a text message via Facebook from a gentleman who was actually giving me accolades. And I thought, isn't the universe so incredibly synchronistic? 
here I am telling y'all that I want you to share and sprinkle kindness around like confetti and share, just take moments out of your day to cultivate someone else's chi. And literally, I get a message on Facebook from a gentleman named Rodney. Amanda, I just wanted to reach out and tell you I love what you are doing. It is so cool to see you doing your thing with such confidence and sharing it with all of us. Love all the videos, love the podcast, and especially love the positive vibes. The world needs more of you. Thank you for all that you do, Rodney. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because I think that kindness truly is the backbone to a successful and happy life. And it's the key, folks, it's the key to raising our consciousness. And it reminds me of a post that I wrote just this past week on Instagram about how we get into alignment. And it's also in perfect alignment for today's show. Here's what I wrote. We are all but a thread of one another. Somehow our culture has conditioned us to believe that we are separate and not a part of the whole. But you've been fed a lie. We are all one. Do not judge or condemn another because doing so judges and condemns yourself. Live an honorable life of compassion, kindness, and love. That is the chi that will lift the veil of consciousness and carry us into the fifth dimensional awareness. It's time to rise. So start seeing yourself in each other. So I really want to drive this home today that as you're listening to this show, what can you do today to lift consciousness? What can you do today to share a little bit of kindness? What can you do today to give back? I simply did a tiny little two minute email. It was probably less than that. And I completely shifted Melissa's day. And literally as I was doing it, the universe gave me feedback immediately from someone else who was thanking me full circle. (laughs) I just love it. So what can you do today to start lifting that consciousness in your reality and in your world? Think about it because it's so easy to do. All right, everyone. Today, Craig and I will talk about purpose surrender and why we avoid it, ego and how it can throw a monkey wrench in our lives. Oh my God, that ego is always showing up like a dramatic, immature 15-year-old and how simple everyday measures like being kind can turn everything around. Are you ready? Hell yeah, let's do it. Hey, Craig, welcome to the show. Amanda, thank you very much for this opportunity. Um, Looking forward to sharing my message with your audience. Yeah, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. We had a little bit of, for the audience, uh, Craig and I had a little bit of some technical difficulty. You know, I I do woo pretty damn good, but when it comes to technology, it's like, oh dear. (laughs) So Craig lives in the mountains and has uh, dial-up speed. So for you millennials that listen and have no idea what that means, it's really archaic internet that pretty much doesn't work. Uh, so poor Craig had to drive down the hill to find internet. So <laughs> thank drive, you for doing that. Drive down the hill. That is that is perfectly put. That's perfectly put. <laughs> you know, the, the speed, I, I, I'm learning about MIPS. I had like three or 400 MIPS when I was living in Chattanooga. I have 2.5 at home now. Oh, so, well, I'll yeah. take your word for it. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> but... but uh, 
what I do know is that we, we weren't doing too well with the technology. We were trying to do it over the phone and Amanda was failing. And so <laughs> Craig had to go down the hill to find internet. So here we are. Thank you for making the trek down the hill so that we could do this today. I think this is going to be a great interview. And I think that the uh, audience is really going to enjoy this. I, you know, I think it's um, interesting when I read books like this, I'm always curious, you know, cause I've read new, I've wrote numerous books myself and read many books, but I always feel like when I start a project, I go in with one perspective, right? Like it has a meaning to me and a purpose to me. But then when I come out on the other side, it like morphs into something else. And I'm curious if it did that for you. Like what is the book, what was the book to you beforehand and what is it to you now? That is, that is so spot on. And the, the my purpose or my intention evolved during the process. Um, my original intention was simply to share with my kids some of my life experiences. And just to clarify, my kids are in their 20s. I mean, this is, I don't want anyone to think this is a children's book. Um, maybe, Amanda, maybe all parents feel this way at some point. Why should my kids have to go through the same crap I did, the pain, suffering, struggles. Um, mm. and, and luckily, I've been a seeker for decades, and I've been journaling for many, many years. So, you know, I pulled out this dusty box full of journals and spread them all out across my kitchen table. And I would say the process took, from beginning to end, it took about two years. My, my wife really appreciated me taking the, the kitchen table for two years. But um, about five or six months, and this is what you're, this is exactly what you're talking about. Somewhere around the five or six month mark, I stepped back and I saw the story. It was, it was unfolding before me. And I swear, Amanda, it was like someone gave me a secret treasure map. And unfortunately, this, this map was in puzzle form, and the pieces, the pieces were distributed over years and years. So in other words, I didn't have access to this map, you know, when I was in my 20s. Um, but to discover this map was, was both exciting and terrifying. And, and the reason it was terrifying is because I knew now that my my mission had shifted and i couldn't i couldn't just keep this to myself i couldn't just share this with my kids i knew that that there'd be a day for example that you and i would be talking and i'd be sharing this message with others and and you know to be honest with you it's kind of terrifying <laughs> it's kind of terrifying <laughs> to me right now well you know having experienced it for myself i think what uh what happens at least for me is that i have an idea like i know when i wrote my eco book i really went into it with the idea of i was so pissed off uh about the abomination of palm oil and what has happened to our amazon rainforest and how endangered species like tigers and orangutans are being wiped out. They're almost extinct because of greed and consumerism. And I was just, I was so angry. And a friend of mine was like, well, then do something about it. And I was like, what? 
am I going to do? And who's going to listen? And I was like, I'm going to write a book. And that was really my original intention. But then when I got into the book and started, and you know, I wrote this book very, very quickly. I wrote it in two weeks. Whoa. But here's what happened for me as I went into it with the intention of I'm going to educate people why this matters. Cause I was angry and I was like, okay, I can't, I can't write like an angry activist. <laughs> I just won't right. go over well. But when you start writing, I think that you tap into that universal flow of energy, which is what spirit wants from us. And it's like you plug in, tap in, tune in, and then it starts to flow and you get a greater awareness of the bigger picture, the why. And one of the things that I loved, which I wanted, which we're going to get into, because I was going to ask you about this, but you, you say in chapter two, we all share the same primal purpose, which is to discover, surrender, and inspire, which is basically what this book is about. You go through and you explain each of these things. And I think that one of the beauties is, is that when you do take the time to discover, surrender to it, then you get inspired. And I feel like that's often what happens when you sit down and, you know, whether you write a book, you write an article, you, you know, do something at the PTA, whatever it is that you do, it's literally those three things that you tap into that kind of turns you on and then it, you know, you come out. So that's why I was curious. Like when you came out on the other end, you kind of went in with this intention, but I was curious if you felt like, you know, even though it took you two years, you know, you were probably going in and out of flow and getting some pretty kick-ass insights that you were probably like, well, I don't know where that came from, you know, and really tapping into that higher wisdom. Yes. Yes. And, and that's why I was kind of, I was kind of surprised by your question or, or your insight. So uh, obviously it came through experience of writing your own book because uh, no, no one's ever asked me that. So, so my, my purpose or my mission quickly evolved to being my goal now is to just share a positive message with the world, to try to get as many people as possible on this path, to, to try to simplify, demystify it, make it accessible or relatable for all. So, I mean, hell, who knows? Maybe we get lucky and start a spiritual revolution. And I mean, a simple shift in awareness is really all that's required. And if you, if you look around the world today, I, th I think it's pretty obvious that uh, we're, long, we're long overdue for, for a revolution. A little bit. That's, and again, that's why I'm doing this podcast, you know, even if I only influence one person at a time. I mean, I may die by that happens, but you know, we're, we're hopeful. Right. <laughs> we're hopeful that I'm going to do that. But you know, one of the things I think is really great is that it's an easy read, um, not intimidating at all, which I think that sometimes people can overdo it and, and get pretty gregarious with their spiritual um, wisdom, because I, I feel like people want to overdo it to overcompensate because they're afraid that, you know, it's not a doctorate book or it's not a legal book or something that people are going to automatically take seriously. So they have to overcompensate. So they overcomplicate it. And mm -hmm. what I loved about it is it's, it's a easy read. It's a simple read. And at the same time, it's a profound read because it's like, yes, this is what we all should be doing. This is, this is what we need to be paying attention to. And, and this is where we need to be driving our energy. And the, 
the theme throughout the book is really about our divine nature and purpose. And so, you know, explain to the audience as you were writing this and, and also just all of the, the wisdom that you now have, you've been on this spiritual path for a long time, you know, mm-hmm. what and, and why I'm, I'm always perplexed by this question because I've been a spiritual seeker my whole life. And, and this is obvious to me, but why have we forgotten this superpower? Why do we, you call it the bodyguard, which is our ego. Why do so many of us allow that bodyguard to play the game and to take control? And we forget about this amazing, incredible superpower that we all have. I know. Right, right. I call it the sleeping giant. Uh, this dormant power that, that lies, that's embedded within all of humanity. But, but yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. And I think if I just kind of simple, give my message in a nutshell, and then I can double back real quick. I believe that we are all born into this world as body and soul, and both are equally important for this amazing adventure that lies ahead. So in other words, we're a perfect combination of human nature and divine nature. And I actually call this our primal way. And and the reason, and this keeps coming to the surface throughout the whole book, and I, I didn't even notice it until I was going through the editing process, this prime, this word primal kept kept bubbling to the surface. And the reason I, I find it so perfect, the, the definition of primal or primordial is a, an organism's earliest stage of development. So, so I believe we all enter this world as body and soul and all experiences in our life are designed to lead us to discovery to discovering or rediscovering this divine nature. You know, call it whatever you want, Amanda. Call it soul, spirit, God, whatever. I I don't care. It's this dormant power, this sleeping giant that's patiently waiting to be discovered. So, So when you ask why do we forget, there's no mistakes. This is all part of the of the divine plan. And this is actually how my book differs a lot from many of the so-called experts or some a lot of the teachers a lot of the teachers say forgetting our divine nature is the root of all evil and i totally disagree with that it is a necessary part of our of our journey um and i'll i'll touch on here in a minute the the six stages of development uh, kind of our spiritual path that we all must go through. But, but as you mentioned in the beginning, so our collective primal purpose is number one, to discover this divine within, this sleeping giant. Number two, to surrender to this power. Being aware of the sleeping giant isn't enough. We, we have to surrender to it. And number three, what I mean by inspire is once you get over that hump of surrender and your bodyguard finally lays down his sword and you're not going to fight against life anymore. You're going to, you're going to kind of go with the flow. Um, you can't help yourself, but to want to share what you've learned. Are you familiar with the hero's journey, the Joseph Campbell stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, He's so funny. I discovered after, after writing this book, I discovered this really fits that, that formula that, you know, we, 
we go out into this, you know, mysterious world and we battle our demons and, and we gain a lot of wisdom along the way. And eventually we go full circle. And after we have the courage to surrender, we go back to our tribe or to our community and we want to share what we've learned. And uh, so, so that's, that's kind of the message in the nutshell. And, um, you know, so to answer your question, why we must forget, it, it goes to that first stage of development. Obviously, we all enter this world at birth, and that's our first step on our spiritual path. And in a kind of a humorous tongue-in-cheek way in the book, I call it alien birth. And, yeah, that was great. <laughs> well, the and the, by the way, there's I want to I want to mention that there's 24 illustrations scattered throughout the book that are meant to keep this message. I believe it's supposed to be a fun, lighthearted adventure, and I, I think having illustrations is kind of unheard of in this genre. I, I've never read. Have you ever read any books? like Deepak or Eckhart or Wayne yeah, Dyer? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you know, Wayne Dyer, all of them, they're extremely profound and prophetic and they, it, it, sometimes it just gets too complex. It gets too, uh, like Eckhart Tolle, good Lord, I've got to be well-rested and caffeinated to, you know, I love his <laughs> books, but holy criminy, they get really, really out there and very, very deep and like, if I'm tired and try to read that material, I mean, it's it, maybe my subconscious is downloading it, but like sometimes it just gets too damn complicated and it doesn't need to be complicated. So I think that's what, you know, I really enjoyed about the book is that it's very um, approachable and not intimidating, but it still gets the core message across of, you know, I think for anybody at any stage of their spiritual path, whether it's day one or 20 years from now, like this is a great way to get the introduction of why all this matters, you know, what the bigger picture is. Um, and I love the, uh, I should mention, which we haven't mentioned. I got so excited to talk to you. Uh, the book is called I Am God in Disguise. So are you which I think is great because we're all sparks of God. We, you know, we're, we're all particles of the same energy. And I think we forget that too. Oh, exactly. You know, the title um, has been surprisingly controversial. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> right, right. Well, well, I expected it. I mean, I thought long and hard when I was, you know, trying to come up with the title for the book. And I wanted, I mean, I'll, I'll admit, I wanted it to be kind of shocking and bold. And, you know, you can call it strong or blunt. I've even heard it uh, referred to. But I didn't really expect, you know, the controversial uh, adjective. It's, it's really not, Amanda. I don't see this as being a new age message at all. It's, it's actually age old, in my opinion. I mean, it's if timeless. We look, yeah, if we, if we look back to the, to the Vedas, you know, the Hindu scriptures or Buddhism or you know, even the Bible, you know, I, I jotted down a quote here. Do you not know your God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? I mean, if, if that doesn't sound like I am God in disguise, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. So, so I kind of push back from this being called a new age message. 
you know, maybe, maybe it would help if I just briefly explain how I define God. Um, I see God as this life force, um, a vibrating energy, more or less, that animates every cell in my body. And this energy not only flows through me, but it flows through all of creation. So this is what connects us all. And, and since this energy, since energy in general cannot be destroyed, it only changes forms. So, so when these bodies that we inhabit at this moment finally wear out, and, and they all will, this energy will simply evaporate, return to source. You know, when Einstein talked about this, this subject, he often said, this is not philosophy. This is physics. So, so I'm the glad theory you of entanglement. Right, 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 right. And I'm guessing I was, I was reading your bio and some information on you before this call. And, you know, I'm guessing that, you know, your practice and study of Feng Shui, I mean, is, is it, you know, the energy that we're talking about that's flowing through all of creation? Is that 100%? Yeah, everything I, I, my practice is 100% rooted in Buddhism and the, the, the idea of energy and chi and entanglement and we're all connected and non-attachment and you know giving back compassion love you don't take the shit with you you know so give back and it, you know it's it like you just said it doesn't matter if you approach this as god buddha hinduism i mean it doesn't matter abraham i mean they all come at it jesus it all comes at the same message with the same message so I, the message is always the same. And one of my favorite, favorite jokes is you got Buddha, Jesus, and uh, uh, I think it was Abraham sitting in a bar. And do you think they're sitting there arguing who said it best? And instead it's like, no, they're sitting there going, oh man, I loved it when you did this. And oh, I loved that you did this for humanity. And oh, I'm going to take that and do that, you know, and help my people. And you know, I always laughed at that because it, it's like the greatest energies that have been on this planet didn't argue about who did it best. It was just do it. Right. You know, just come here and share the message of love. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I, I feel already that you that we were that you and I are on the same page as far as um, I think as as soon as you pick up my book and just read the first few pages, you will know that I'm a firm believer that this spiritual path is meant to be this fun, lighthearted adventure that I'm talking about. And, and again, the 24 illustrations that are scattered throughout the book, you know, sure, uh, a picture is worth a thousand words and, and it does help me emphasize some of my points, but they're also kind of humorous. I'm, I'm kind of a smart ass, dry sense of humor kind of guy. So, so I think hopefully you found some of them to be humorous to to kind of stick with that fun philosophy one of my favorite you know discussions or or if you want to really put the spiritual path in a nutshell is to think of you know for for 13.8 billion years this universe has been unfolding and it's going to continue to unfold whether we like it or not so why not like it and, you know, it doesn't really get any more complicated than that. We have, we get to choose whether we like it or not. But Amanda, what happens 
is we all accumulate during our lives a long list of preferences, all of our likes and dislikes. And what, what those are is they're our effort to try to control our world. And, you know, on occasion, we'll get lucky and all the stars will align <laughs> and, and all those boxes will get checked and we'll have this temporary moment of joy or bliss and this, you know, this one really great day. But you know what? Why don't we instead focus on what we do have control over? And that is how we react to how the world is unfolding. You know, you mentioned Buddhism. Buddhist doctrine teaches that all of life is suffering caused by our desires. And you know, that was always confusing to me. And I heard the Dalai Lama interviewed not too long ago, and he was trying to better clarify that teaching. And he said, why don't we substitute the word desires, since we're human and everyone has desires, it's, it's a normal emotion. Why don't we use the word dissatisfaction instead? And oh my God. So, so think about this. All of life is suffering caused by our dissatisfaction for what is. And you know, you know what? You know who even said it better? Do you know who Michael Singer is, uh, author of Untethered Soul? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great book. Oh, yeah, so he teaches. I, I go down to visit him occasionally. He's got this campus down in Florida where he speaks regularly. And at one of his talks, he said, we all need to adopt a surprise party lifestyle. And now I don't even think he's written about this in any of his books, uh, but he, he spoke about it in person. And he said, we should live every moment of every day like it's a surprise party, to have this childlike, wonder and excitement of what's next. So, so my wife and I, we've, we've adopted this surprise party lifestyle and it's really an inside joke we have now. And when shit hits the fan and, you know, things aren't going, you know, the way we expected, you know, during our day-to-day existence, we kind of race to see who will be the first one to yell surprise. Hmm. And and don't get me wrong, it's not, all, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. I mean, you know, sometimes we're crying and sometimes we're laughing. But, I mean, do you get the point? Yeah, it reminds me, we've got, and I'm sure you've been there, uh, The Art of Living in North Carolina, uh, which is owned and ran by Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. And that's his whole uh, mantra is every day, every moment, you should be, oh, I'm so excited I'm alive. Oh, I'm so excited I'm alive. Oh, I'm so excited I'm alive. Like, you know, what? that's that's his motto is like he, like every single thing, if you've ever met him, his delight is infectious. Like it's it's to the point of ridiculousness, but you can't, you can't be in his energy and not catch it. You can't be in that energy and, you know, be having a bad day and the ridiculousness of it. You can't, you can be having the worst day ever. And like he comes around and you just can't stop laughing. Right. And it's that whole idea of, you know, I'm so excited to be alive. This is such a great day. (laughs) Right. Right. Who is, who is this guy you say he's out here by me in North Carolina? 
Yeah, uh, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, he owns, I call it the Kripalu of North Carolina. It's called the Art of Living. It's a facility there and they do all kinds of um, workshops and spiritual talks and retreats and they do forest bathing and um, he's got these centers all over and North Carolina happens to have one. There's one in LA, one in Washington. Uh, I think there's a couple in India. And uh, He must be, in, is he a national probably? Uh, no, I actually think he's in Boone. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe after the show, you can uh, drop me a link or something. I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he's pretty fascinating guy and, and he's doing a lot to change the world views of, you know, compassion, love, humanity, um, you know, just all the great things that we should all be focusing on and we're not. Right, right, right. <laughs> But um, he, I don't know if he's written any books or not, but um, it, he's got this great thing. He's got tons of really great meditations. He's got this great one called the horseshoe uh, where you focus on your breath going in your nose to the bridge of your nose and out. And he's got this other one where you put your hands up in the air and you pull them down really hard and do breath work and um, to help you wake up your Kundalini and, uh, he's just really, he's just really fun. His energy is very infectious and you can tell that he's vibing high. You can tell he's in the fifth dimension. He's out there, you know, he's, it's going to be energy like that. That's going to, um, affect people. I'm sure they go home from that. <laughs> They're probably like, Oh my God, that was the most amazing workshop or place that they've ever been. Um, right, right, right. But, well, you, I heard you mention something about forest bathing. Well, you know, one of the reasons that I relocated here was not just to be at higher elevation and have the cooler weather, but I am smack dab in the middle of the national forest and I have thousands of acres of just beautiful rolling hills and, and just trees. And I've discovered that one, one of my hobbies um, is, is hiking and trail running. And I discovered this on accident, the energy that you get from being in the forest. And there's a, there's a guy by the name of Michael McCarthy who wrote a book. I'm going to butcher the title. It's called The Moth Snowstorm. It's, it's longer than that. But if you Google Michael McCarthy, he's a naturalist. And one of my favorite quotes from his book, Amanda, is that... For 50,000 generations, we wandered this planet. We, we were the wildlife. We were just another species wandering the planet. And this is where we learned, you know, how to think, how to feel our emotions, our intuitions. And, and only for the past 500 generations, you know, since the advent uh, of farming, really, that we've been removed from nature. So his argument is, you know, you can remove man from nature, but it's baked into our DNA. So, so here we sit, and most of us in today's modern society, you know, in these concrete jungles and these cubicles with the hum of electronics. And we don't know, we just know that something feels off. We don't even know that we're craving this, this nature fix and it is like a drug craving and um and uh we just know that something feels off 
and you you won't discover it unless you someone tells you about this and you read a book like Michael McCarthy's book or you're listening to this podcast and you're like, well, I'm going to go get lost in the woods. And I swear to God, you come out and you just have this, you know, it's like that void is filled and you're going to make it part of your daily spiritual practice. I mean, do you, do you feel that way? Oh, 1000%. If you, if you listen to the podcast, it's like probably every single show I'm shouting at the audience to get outside and hug trees and talk to the nature spirits and understand uh, spiritual wisdom through uh, nature and grounding. And <laughs> we are, we're huge with the outdoor. And I really think that, you know, um, in my eco book, I talked a lot about you know, our behavior in the last 100 years and how we have just at the, the cost of our planet, you know, said yes to convenience. And, you know, we keep adding more and more and more convenience while dilapidating our planet beyond, you know, what I can't even imagine what she must have looked like 100 years ago. And um, I think that what you're talking about, this buzzing and, and this, this inner void I think that that's where anxiety comes from. I think that's where depression comes from. I think that's where restlessness comes from. And we may not be able, I do, but you know, the, the general public may not be able to pinpoint it and they don't understand that, you know, they're in these environments that have all this technology and, and it's your system, your energy system needs to be able to charge just like your iPhone does. Like you need to be able to get outside and plug in and forest bathe and, you know, become one with a tree and, and connect with nature. It, it, you know, I feel like my best thinking, my best ahas, certainly my, my biggest connections to spirit come from uh, animal spirits and animal wisdom. My, some of my biggest revelations have come from speaking to animal spirits so I'm a huge activist for getting outside. And one of the things I actually wanted to mention this, you talk about in your book, which uh, is about meditation. I, I want to read this because I also talk a lot about meditation. And I think that um, when we're talking about health and well-being and we're, we're talking about, you know, we've got ample levels of anxiety, ample levels of depression and dependence on pharmaceutical drugs. And everything could, in my opinion, could be fixed with nature and could be fixed with meditation. And Craig shares this in chapter two about his experience about meditation. And I talk a lot about meditation on the show and I'm sure we've got listeners that are like, oh, I can't do it. It's too hard. You know, it, it, there's no <laughs> benefits. Listen to this and listen to what Craig said about meditation. I gradually started to feel different. I was more relaxed. Ding, ding, ding. My days became less of a struggle. Hello, who doesn't want that? In other words, I was seeing results. I now understand that my higher self had been patiently waiting for this opportunity. It was as if unlocked, I unlocked the door and the universe kicked it open. I loved that. After this brief period of open-mindedness, books, people, and events, as if they accidentally, quote unquote, showed up in my life, ha ha, gently nudging me toward the spiritual path. I didn't know what the hell was going on, but for the first time in my life, I felt like I was getting help from some invisible force. Meditation and nature, right there. Invisible uh -huh. forces. 
this yeah yeah this is great this really this really fits with with your message here on the show that's that's awesome i think it's great and i i i want to tie this in because i think this is incredibly important let me see which chapter this is in because i thought this was huge we talked uh, at, at the beginning we were talking about um discover and then the second one was surrender and and craig actually has uh eight things that he talks about and that this is under chapter three the epic battle he goes under why we were re we resist surrender and he actually has eight total but i want to mention these three because i know that when we talk about things like getting outside in nature and meditation the first thing that a lot of people do is say i don't have time i'm mm -hmm. too busy i don't have time this ties in with this why do we resist surrender Number one, fear of change. Who am I if I don't have my busy? That's what I think that is. Greg actually has better things in there. Number two, it's easier to be a victim. Oh, hallelujah, amen. Praise the Lord Jesus, that is so true. Amanda, I was stuck in, that, in this epic battle, you know, this chapter three that I'm talking about. I'm embarrassed to admit it, but I was stuck in this battle for almost 20 years. And, and when, I, when I, you'll see in these six stages of life, going from discovery where we finally look within, maybe it's the first time we try to meditate or whatever, as, as that, that excerpt you just read from the book where you discover you're not alone. When I discovered that, Amanda, I thought I had arrived. I thought it was over. I reached the pinnacle. I am an enlightened man, you know, let the music sound. And quickly within, you know, I, I was in that blissful place for about 48 hours. And quickly my bodyguard came out of, <laughs> rose, rose from the ashes and said, hey, 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 wait a second, not so fast. While you were all new agey connecting with your divine nature or your, your sleeping giant, you're forgetting about me, the loyal one who's been with you for the past 30 plus years protecting you. So, so Amanda, this epic battle, just to fill the listeners in, that's what this epic battle is. So, you know, you, you discover your divine nature, but it takes a while before you really have the courage to surrender and you're ready. So the easier to be a victim, you know, that was one of my excuses. It's kind of like, Hey, you know what? Life is is kind of tough right now. It's a struggle, but it's safe. It's predictable. It's and the excuses. It was excuses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just, it, there's eight total, but my three favorite, because these are the ones that I see over and over and over and over again in my own practice is fear of change. It's easier to be a victim. And what will others think of me? Mm so simple right like we're talking about these books that have been written these articles that have been written they're overcomplicated. you know that like i said i mean you got to be ready for eckhart tolle <laughs> you gotta yeah, be yeah. ready to deep think and it's like bam right there those three things if you could just leave this podcast today and really sit with that and hold space like do i really fear change well we all do right there's a, there's a section of all of us that there's something that we fear because it, it's going to take us out of our comfort zone where in your life have you played victim because our ego always steps in whether mm -hmm. you've mastered it or not it still has moments it still comes in 
and I'm way past the what will other th- others think of me, but my pretty much my 20s and my early 30s, that was the one thing that really held me back from being the feng shui practitioner that I am today. I was in the closet. God yeah. forbid, you know, I didn't want to get weird and let people know that I was talking to spirit and that I was, you know, uh, talking to trees and animal spirits and, and having this amazing awakening, even though it was brilliant, and amazing, and I wanted to share it. What would people think of me? So the problem is, is that, yes, you're having this battle and it is an epic battle because you're battling with yourself. And you're battling with your ego and you need to surrender to tap and tune in and be a part of that spiritual, what we were talking in, the the plugging in, you have to let go. You have to surrender. You have to say, I am ready, willing, and able to step into this. And it's scary as hell. And I have no idea where I'm going to end up, but yes. Right. And then the ego steps in and goes, no, 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 no. Sweetheart, you're going to hurt yourself. I got this. And you're like, oh God, you're right. The consequences. <laughs> That's right. the epic battle. Well, the, the, uh, it's funny that you, you, you um, relate to the, what will others think of me? Cause that was my biggest hurdle. And it's everybody's. You think so? I, 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 I have I'm, been in the woo world for 20 years and it's not so much now. I, we're in a major awakening right now. And so right now it's cool to be spiritual, but you know, in the nineties, good Lord. Right. Oh my gosh. Like for those of us who have been around the block, y'all remember the nineties. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I, Amanda, I would go into these, you know, metaphysically, you know, when I was early, you know, in my, you know, being a seeker on this path, I would go in, I'd sneak into these mystical bookstores or metaphysical bookstores and you know, I'd be hiding, or if you're even if it was a Barnes and Noble or something, and you go down that, you know, spirituality aisle, you're, you're kind of hiding, and uh, and if some, you know, you see somebody coming your way that, that might know you, and you duck to the next aisle over. Self help was a little easier to be in that aisle. So, so for sure, and so one of my goals in writing this book was to try to figure out a way to make it less weird, you know, to, to, you know, for the people who are, you know, new on this path, who are exploring it for their first time, if, if we want to do more than preach to the choir, if, if we really want to see a global shift and to, you know, start a spiritual revolution, we have to do more than preach to the choir. And to do that, we have to, we have to make ourselves more relatable. And, you know, a few of the questions that I get asked the most since the book was uh, published earlier this summer, believe it or not, are, well, did you have uh, visions? Did you have near-death experience? Was this book channeled? And, you know, before I get hate mail, I first want to say that I totally believe in visions and near-death experiences and people channeling their writing. But I also think that those questions are part of the problem why we, we, we're having trouble attracting a bigger audience. Because, you know, when I first went into that bookstore in the 1980s and I picked up a book and I was reading about, you know, how this guy was channeling and his hand was just moving on the page and he was just a champ. You know, it, 
I put the book down and ran the other direction. Um, so I don't know. What do you think about trying to just make this more relatable? Do you have any ideas on how we can attract a, a wider audience? And we're not going to get anywhere if we're just preaching to the choir. Yeah, well, that's why I got my podcast and my YouTube channel and I do conferences and, you know, I, I'll get up on a soapbox. I'll talk about it. I'll get weird. You know, I figure we're all doing our part. We're all leaving our breadcrumbs. And, yes, yes. you know, I think that the biggest theme that you have in the book is purpose. And so we each come here with a blueprint and we all come here with this purpose. And so if my purpose is to light the fire, you know, under three people's asses and they, you know, fire up four more people. Hey, I've done my job. I just uh, met somebody on the street the other day that knew who I was, which blew me away. I mean, <laughs> that kind of stuff doesn't happen. And they said, you know, you've completely, you've completely changed and influenced my life. And I actually, I get, we get emails all the time about how people listen to the show and, you know, they, they put the feng shui to practice and, and they're more aware of things and they pay attention. And I, uh, one of the guests that I've had on the show, Ben Hale, he's a, um, expert and, uh, he's got a company called easy living yards and I've been pushing him to get weird on his podcast. And, you know, he <laughs> said, my show's not doing weird really well. And, and, and like, it's, it's, you know, nobody's really, really paying attention. I'm like, yeah, cause you're talking about landscaping. Nobody cares about that. Like you need to get weird. <laughs> Because so, he's had all these amazing experiences with animal spirits and they're talking to him. And I'm like, that's what you need to be talking about. That's what I would listen right. to. And um, right. he emailed the other day and he was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I was like, now people are going to start listening. But, you know, I mean, it, it's scary, you know, because that was his hurdle. What are people going to think? You know, is, is it going to be okay? Is it going to be safe for me to do that because, you know, once, once you open that closet door, you're out. And it, you know, I, I think what's really great is, and I've talked about it on the show is I have this really funny story of in 1994, or 95, I bought my first tarot deck. We did not have Amazon. You couldn't do shit in private like you can now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I went to borders bookstore and the tarot cards were behind a glass case that was locked. So I had to go up to the counter and ask oh, for no. someone to give the keys and the guy didn't have the keys. The manager had to get involved. And so they set it over the loudspeaker. This lady, we need somebody at the front desk to help this lady get tarot cards. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And so the manager comes up and he's like, oh, well, I don't have the key. And he's like, wait, what does she need? Tarot cards. And then a third person got involved and then they oh. had to call that person over the intercom. So the entire Borders bookstore at this point now knows that Amanda Gates wants tarot cards. Like it was so embarrassing. I was so humiliated. I, you know, I was so young at the time and I was like, I just wanted these spiritual cards because my friend told me that I like needed this stuff. And <laughs> I, I'm surprised I even walked out of there with the, the darn, th I still have them to this day. They're the Rider weight, the original Rider weight uh, tarot cards, but you know, everybody in Borders bookstore knew that I was buying tarot cards oh, and man. all well three of the people that were involved were men. So I was getting heavily shamed and heavily judged because men traditionally are not super spiritual. <laughs> right, <laughs> like right, women right. are. 
And so, you know, that was really my first experience of buying metaphysical. And of course, I didn't go to a metaphysical shop because what would people think? At least Borders was safe. That's like where the all-American person went to buy, you know, books. And so I was like, I'm going to secretly go in there. I'm going to secretly buy these tarot and I'm going to run to my car. <laughs> yes. yes. I, lo- I so love I thought. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, lo- I love that story. So, so I, th- also, I loved your, the answer to, to the question I, 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 that you gave about how do we reach a broader audience and that is so true. We just need to more or less when we're out in the world, you know, be the change or be the person, you know, that, you know, our authentic selves, you know, want to be and the change that we want to see and know that other people are always watching us. And you have no idea who that is. You have no idea. I, I've shared this on the show. I had uh, a nutritionist on the show uh, five years ago. And, you know, when I get on this show, a lot of times I am channeling stuff comes out of my mouth and people will tell me, and I'm like, I said that, like, I don't, I don't remember. And she came back and she said, you know, you said on the show, um, some things that really influenced me. And you said I was really good at my job and, and I told you I didn't like my job and I wanted to do something else. And, sh- and she said, you know, uh, you were the one that told me that I would never be my best self and that I would never be able to give back to the world unless I stepped into my purpose. And she said, I quit my job and I went after a job that I had no qualification for doing and I got it. And she said, I did that because of you. And I was like, oh my God, I told you to do that. I don't remember that. Right. And, you know, you just have no idea. And I didn't know. I happened to run into her several years later and we were acquaintances. I didn't hardly know her. And she told me at a conference and I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And you just know, you have no idea who's reading your book and who's, you know, gleaning deep wisdom from it or who's reading the book and it doesn't really do anything but two years from now something gets turned on and you know they it lights them up and they're like oh my god i remember i read this random book and he talked about this i need to go find that book you know Mm -hmm. so you just never know what seeds are being planted very good yes exactly i um you know through the book i I talk about getting a, a wayne dyer book and i stuck it in my nightstand and it collected dust for probably a year. And obviously, I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for the message. I didn't have any interest of opening the book. And just one night, tossing and turning, you know, the school of life was doing its job, wearing me down, beating me up a little bit. And I woke up, turned my nightlight on, and said, what the hell? And I pulled it out and started reading it. So, yeah, the... You know, the universe works in mysterious ways. And um, when, uh, when you're ready for the message, it'll be there. That's how it's funny that you brought up uh, The Untethered Soul, because that's what, what happened to me. I bought that book at Barnes & Noble when it came out. I, I, it, like that year that it came out, I bought it because it, it was already, they had the, you know, the Christmas specials that year. Mm-hmm. And I think that book came out it had to be around the crash. It had to be around 08. Cause I remember like, that's why I bought it. And I actually didn't read it until 2012. I oh, bought wow. it, but it sat on my, uh, I, I remember going to Barnes and Noble and I remember hearing a voice. You need to read that. And so I bought it 
and then it sat on my coffee table and I stared at it (laughs) (laughs) for four years. And then I was like, I should probably read that. (laughs) So so I, it's funny how that works, right? It's funny that you're inspired and it's kind of like the backwards. It's like, I discovered it. I did not surrender to it. And then I was inspired by it. And then I discovered it. I kind of did it backwards. Right, right, right. You, you know, my so my goal, as I mentioned with, with the book, is to get others through these stages, help people through these stages, or at least identify them as quickly as possible. Because the sooner you can get through the school of life and to discovery and to surrender and to you know the inspiration stages. I mean, the magic doesn't even begin until after surrender. So although we can't skip any of these stages, Amanda, I've, I've learned that. I think if I can just shed some light on the path, maybe you can just walk a little bit quicker. You know, you might identify, okay, you know, I, I, I see myself at this stage right about now. And I, I see, now I understand why this is happening or why that's happening. So, so that's, you know, that's my goal. And, you know, we, we were talking and I said I was going to circle back to the alien birth. So the, the reason I use the word alien in this first stage is the, the definition of that word was so perfect. Any being foreign, foreign to its current environment, an outsider belonging to a very different place. See, I, I firmly believe that at birth we are we're all pulled from this invisible world of pure energy into the world of form. And I mean, even doctors say that somewhere between the 22nd and 30th day after conception, this spark of energy just appears from nowhere. I mean, they call it the heartbeat, but it's really not at, at 20 sec- at 22 days, your heart's not even formed. Um, so anyway, that is spirit, that is soul. That, to me, that is God embedded in form. And, and before we can move into the next stage, which is the school of life, two things have to happen. The soul, the spirit part of ourselves, volunteers to step aside, to go into this temporary hibernation, I call it. And the reason is man cannot serve two masters. And right now, we need to get into the school of life. We need to explore human nature. We need to learn. We need to become street smart, learn how to play the game. And um, when the soul does step back and, and allow the, the bodyguard to lead, that is the first time we feel alone. And, and I call it primal fear. You know, you start to have this empty feeling inside. And that's when we create this separate self, this ego. You know, I identify the cartoon character in my illustrations as the bodyguard. And we create this, I mean, he has great intentions to to start. And he takes us forward into the school of life. And it's his job to protect us, not only from physical harm, but emotional. And, you know, he's going to lead us. Um, so that, that's kind of how I begin the journey, uh, through the book. And obviously we're not going to have enough time to hit on these six stages, but, um, 
I just hope to shed some light and, you know, hope you guys enjoy, hope you think it's a good read. I'm curious. I want to uh, kind of end the note on uh, this thought. What do you think? I know that the book just came out, but what do you think is the most overlooked or maybe undervalued thing from the book that we should all be paying attention to? I, I would say that for sure, the biggest reward, we, we live in a, in a world and as human beings, it's just human nature to want to know what's in it for me. So if someone, if someone's giving me a book and say, hey, check this out, read this book, you know, I'm in the back of my mind thinking what's in it for me. So the biggest reward of surrender, which is my goal to get everyone to surrender as soon as possible, is the biggest reward is when you discover the divine within you also discover it in everyone else and that the reason that is so huge is you now define you no longer define your your neighbors or just other human beings as the color of their skin or their race or nationality or sexual preference I mean, all those labels, all those layers, just superficial, get peeled away. And that is the beauty of surrender. That is the biggest reward. And when I talk about starting a spiritual revolution as the time is now, look around the world, let's awaken people. When I talk about that, this is what I'm talking about. If, can you imagine if, if everyone on the planet reached this level of surrender and saw each other through these primal eyes, you know, the way I, I say we enter this earth as body and soul, that we're able to get back to that primal way and see each other in that way, there'd be, the wars would come to an end. You'd never think about killing another human being or, or damaging your planet. I mean, the, the thought is so ridiculous. It'd be like seeing two branches on a tree strangling each other. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's how ridiculous the thought would be if we were all coming from that place of surrender. So I, I hope I answered that question. I, well, that's a great analogy. I love that. I want to uh, end on just a couple of sentences from the end of Craig's book, which I, is pretty much really summarizes quite well what we've been talking about in the show today. Uh, and I hope that it encourages everyone to want to dive into the book and read more. Again, the book is called I Am God in Disguise, So Are You. And Craig says, as God in disguise, we will find the entire universe conspires to help us on our mission. This path was meant to be lighthearted and fun. So true. I mean, <laughs> in this final stage, we discover the authentic joy associated with being part of this spiritual revolution. The time is now, folks. Don't waste another moment. Be the change and start inspiring others. I love that. I think it's such a great message. And I think now is such a great, good timing. Very, very good timing for a book like this to come out because I think more and more people are waking up and more and more people need to uh, have resources that are not as dense. And um, to me, the Wayne Dyer is not so hard, but like the Eckhart Tolle's Deepak Chopra, you know, there are some books that are out there that are to me like senior in college level. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. 
my Amanda, Amanda, I love all those guys. They were they were my teachers on this path. Yeah, like and um, me too. I mean, I've I've read many of those books. Um, I, I've I've read a lot of books. I've read a lot of spiritual books, but I did not read those books in the '90s. I did not start with those books. So. Um, right. now I can read them and I can understand the concepts and, and, you know, I, a lot of the things are regurgitated and, and said again and again, so you can piece together. But if you are just starting out on this journey, if you are just dipping your toe into the spiritual path, when I was in Asheville, uh, in July, I had met a woman who literally told me when I met her, she said, I just woke up last week. It's literally what she told me. She said, <laughs> I have, she said, I'm an engineer. I've had an analytical, very black and white life my entire life. And I woke up last week and I realized that there was more to life. And so she said, I put an ad out on Craigslist to look for other people who have had this experience. And she said, I'm going to be honest, that experience wasn't so positive. And I was like, probably not. So, um, you know, we need resources like this that make it approachable. And I think it's great that you really honed in on the idea of it should be fun. Cause I think that's missing from a lot of them is, you know, you, a lot of them talk about this concept of it. It all comes down to one thing and it's about love and it's about compassion and entanglement and surrender. And it's like, okay, great. But how do we do that? Right. Well, <laughs> you know, this is, this is a great segue. Can I, can I finish with a, just a quick little affirmation that I wrote? Yeah, let's do it. I love affirmations. I write them and I rewrite them every day just based on what I'm working on. And my, my favorite is the surrender affirmation because people say, well, you know, what the hell does that mean, surrender? Of course I want to surrender. How, how, can, how can you do it? And to me, this is very, very practical. I mean, it is, it is as real as when my wife and I sit down at the kitchen table with a cup of coffee and have a conversation where I turn my my focus inward and i'm talking you know having a conversation with my higher self so that's more or less i'm just setting up this affirmation i i, I literally i put my hand on my chest because i like to feel the vibration of it as well i also feel that's part of communicating with my inner guide and i say i simply say this i surrender i am superman servant of the soul vehicle for your expression i devote myself to you this is our disguise show me the way and you know it takes about 20 seconds to, to recite that and i since i haven't memorized i do it probably 10 times a day i'm sitting in traffic i'm you know whatever and it is freaking powerful. Even if you think this is a bunch of crap, do it anyway. I promise you, you'll see results. Fake it till you feel it. And if you do it in the morning when you get up and maybe at night before you go to bed, you'll, you'll, you'll see life starting to change. I love that. Vehicle of expression and also do it anyway. <laughs> I love both of those. <laughs> Greg, if people are interested in learning more about you, where do they go? Where do they find the book? How do they okay. get in contact with you? You can buy the book anywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever your favorite bookseller is, or you can come to my website. I created a website to communicate, interact with the readers, um, and I also sell the books there. I also have some cool posters and prints that go along with the message in the book. 
I kind of feel like it's it's relatively easy to have this awareness when we're on our yoga mat or in meditation. The challenging part is to take this awareness off the mat and into the world. So with these little posters and prints and things that you can pin up at work, you know, maybe it'll uh, inspire you, you know, during your day. So the web, long answer to your question, the website is awesome. And there's no E at the end of awesome. It's kind of a play on words with O-M, like the OM symbol, A-W-E-S-O-M, life, L-I-F-E, dot com. Awesome. Craig, thank you so much for saying yes to this and driving down the hill to find internet. It's a mountain. Thank you, Amanda. (laughs) (laughs) I asked Craig to come on the show to share with all of you that each and every one of you not only has a purpose, but a divine one. Too often, we look to all the problems, right? We complain about all the things going wrong in our life, but problems will continue to exist until you learn to extract the gifts from them. We aren't here for everything to, you know, be pixie dust and roses. We're here to learn. We're here to grow as souls. So go where the music is going and not where it was. Support everyone around you and the journey that they are on and support it. Because look, we're all on our own path. We're all trying to get through this and The more that we can help each other out, makes it a little bit easier, right? Makes us feel like we're not alone. Stop complaining, stop critiquing, stop criticizing. If someone is trying to improve, don't point out their mistakes and all that they are doing wrong. And this is true for yourself too, because it's essentially like throwing rocks at yourself while you're trying to climb the mountain. (laughs) Come on, you know? We have enough shit to deal with, so be kind. As Gandhi so famously said, the pure love of one can offset the hatred of millions. So true. Be kind, stay in your lane, and discover, surrender, and inspire not only yourself, but discover, surrender, and inspire others. That is one of the most powerful ways to cultivate your chi and the chi of others. And trust me when I say it matters, not what the ego tells you, that bodyguard as Craig calls it, that doesn't matter. It's the spiritual matter that really matters. And quick side note, don't give up. If you are kind, don't do it for the return. Do it for the bigger picture and what it does for our planet, for consciousness. I can't tell you how many cards and notes and gifts I send out all the time and how much kindness I'm constantly putting out and how much people don't respond to it, you know, and I'm constantly checking in with others. I'm checking in and I don't always get feedback. In fact, I have people that I've been giving to for years and years and have never received even a thank you in return. But you know what this tells me? That I need to work even harder to help shift the paradigm to that of kindness. Because those are people who are really wrapped up in their own selfishness and they're really caught up in their own stuff and they're just completely oblivious to what is really not working in our world. It's the separateness, the oneness. 
and the what have you done for me lately mentality. But here's the thing, the difference between a journey and an ordeal is attitude. Have an attitude of gratitude and have an attitude that serves. Again, it matters. All right, everyone, I will get off my soapbox. If you'd like to check me out or learn more about my services, like my signature service, my floor plan readings, head on over to my website, interiorvibes.com. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. I know I love the love. And don't forget to check out my YouTube channel for tons of additional tutorials on feng shui. All right, everyone, trust the vibe because the energy never lies.